Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. A longtime listener, Lise, wrote in, Hi, Zach. I have some conflicting info on the management of cardiac arrest when there is ventricular fibrillation or pulseless ventricular tachycardia. Do you have a go-to advanced life support algorithm you could share with me? I'm wondering when to give epinephrine one milligram and when to give amiodarone. At least the quick answer to your question is that I basically stick to ACLS. I'm pretty sure you do too. Advanced cardiac life support. But I do really think this is a great question that we should still dive into because you will see multiple cardiac arrests come in during your clerkships. And similar to ATLS for trauma, I think it's good to understand ACLS so you can keep up with what's going on when these patients come in. So today, we're going to cover the basic algorithm for patients in cardiac arrest. And it's based off of the ACLS, Advanced Cardiac Life Support Algorithm. And the most, by far, the most, most important thing to remember about all of this is that ACLS is really, really overrated. I want everybody listening to pay attention to what I'm about to say. By far, hard, fast, unrelenting chest compressions are the core of ACLS. Epi and amiodarone and pulse checks and intubations and ultrasound and all of this other stuff we learn about are secondary to constant, impeccable chest compressions. Every second you spend off the chest increases the patient's mortality and decreases their survival, period. It is not appropriate to stop chest compressions to intubate. It's not appropriate to stop them for ultrasounds. It's not appropriate to stop them for lines. Until that code is over, minimal time off the chest. Hard, fast, unrelenting compressions. That's what the evidence shows. If I'm dead in front of you, I would much rather you perform hard, fast, unrelenting chest compressions than sacrifice that even slightly to do literally any other intervention. I don't want an airway. I don't want an ultrasound. I don't want a line. I don't want you doing a long pulse check just to make sure. I don't want epi or amio or calcium or bicarb. I want you to push my heart into my spine and let it recoil over and over and over and over. Hard, fast, unrelenting chest compressions are the most important part of cardiac arrest. That's the evidence. Now, with that out of the way, Let's talk about ACLS. All right, cardiac arrest. Step one, start compressions. The patient is unresponsive. You do a pulse check, no pulse, call for help, and you start compressions. Start chest compressions at a ratio of 30 compressions to two breaths. 30 to two, 30 to two, 30 to two. And you're going to continue this indefinitely, relentlessly. It's very easy. The only exceptions to this are if the patient is intubated, where you do continuous chest compressions relentlessly, or in kids where the ratio is 15 to 2, not 30 to 2. Regardless, start compressions and the team will continue them until that code ends. Step one is the most important step. Now, step two, you're going to pick one of two pathways to go down. Shockable or non-shockable. While continuously doing step one, the patient will be placed on a monitor, and the moment those leads are attached, 
you stop compressions and you do step two. Throw that patient into one of two pathways as quickly as possible, depending on what you see. And then start compressions again. If the patient is in a shockable rhythm, which is ventricular fibrillation or pulseless ventricular tachycardia, then that is the shockable pathway. And if they have a non-shockable rhythm, which is asystole or pulseless electrical activity, then you go down the non-shockable pathway. Just a moment off the chest, perform step two, and then back to those relentless chest compressions. Step three, start a clock. Because every two minutes, you will at least be doing a rhythm check, if not something else, in addition to the rhythm check, until the code is over. That two minutes is kind of your magical rhythm. Step four. Now, shockable rhythmers. Pulseless ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. The two-minute clock starts. Now, time zero, shock. And then two minutes, shock with epi. And then at four minutes, shock with amio. And six minutes, shock with epi. And eight minutes, shock with amio. And 10 minutes, shock with epi. You can do the amio twice. You can technically do the epinephrine indefinitely, although after three times, its utility probably starts to decrease. But zero minutes, shock. Two minutes, shock with epi. Four minutes, shock with amio. Six minutes, shock with epi. Eight minutes, shock with amio. 10 minutes, shock with epi. Until they fall out of that pathway. Step five, for all of your non-shockable rhythmers, PEA, pulseless electrical activity, or asystole, non-shockable. Your two-minute clock here is like this, zero minutes, epi. Two minutes, nothing. Just a rhythm check. Four minutes, epi. Six minutes, nothing. Eight minutes, epi. Ten minutes, nothing. On and on and on. That's for your non-shockable rhythmers. Now, just to wrap up, let's talk real quick about prognosis. Patients that come in and they are in ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation, these patients actually have a decent-ish prognosis if you act soon enough. This is usually caused by heart attack, and these patients can be fixed in the cath lab. Asystole patients, that's like the worst prognosis. Asystole patients almost always die if nothing happens after that first round or two of CPR. And then PEA patients, pulseless electrical activity, are like a whole different deal. They are dismal prognosis if you can't figure out what the cause is and reverse it. But if you can figure it out, then you'll, you'll save them. So for these PEA patients, myself, this is kind of my how I approach it. If it's this wide and stretched out complex on the rhythm strip, that's what I'm giving the two other medicines that you'll hear about, sodium bicarb and calcium chloride. And if it's a narrow complex on the rhythm strip, a narrow complex pulseless electrical activity, I'm looking at that heart with an ultrasound to look for evidence of obstructive shock. Right heart strain and PE, tamponade, pneumothorax. That, for me, has replaced the classic H's and T's that you've probably heard about hypovolemia, hypoxia, hypoglycemia, hypohyperkalemia, hydrogen ion acidosis, tension pneumothorax, tamponade, thrombosis in the lung, thrombosis in the heart, and trauma. Now, you still might actually get asked about those, and if you learn those H's and T's, you're going to sound impressive on your clerkship, but I don't really use that anymore as a resident, just in my approach. But just do whatever works for you. 
I hope that explains some things. Get one of those ACLS pocket cards and kind of run through it. It's a pretty straightforward algorithm, and it's cool because once you know it, you'll understand everything that's going on in the resuscitation room during a cardiac arrest. With that said, please tell a friend about the podcast. And until next time, keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.